Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Prospectives, your weekly podcast where you have two professional real estate agents giving you advice on the national market, the current New Hampshire market, and some tips and tricks for agents. I am Jessica Preventure, the managing broker at Pro Homes with Lair Realty Partners, and this is my co-host. Keith Allencourt, Lair Realty. Um, I am actually super excited about this first article. Mm-hmm. Um, this Me too. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a a speech that the Federal Housing Commissioner, Julie Gordon, discussed about the FHA products Mm -hmm. and some misconceptions that are out there and what um, the Federal Housing Administration is doing to advocate for their products. And I thought this was huge um, because the truth of the matter is that Many first-time and low to moderate income home buyers utilize a federally insured product like the FHA sure. loan, and that is kind of their way to get into the market. So what are the benefits? Well, first of all, it's federally backed. Second of all, 3.5% down payment. Which is the big thing. Which is a big <laughs> one. Um, and it really makes it available to underserved populations or people who maybe had never considered home ownership. Unfortunately, what we've been running into in this market quite a bit is sellers being educated by their agents and being told that there are some negatives to FHA loans and kind of it's a lack of intelligence, a lack, well, not a lack of intelligence, an, an ignorance of the product and what it really has available. Specifically, they talk about this um, unreasonable property conditions. Now, um, do you have clients using this product? I do, absolutely. I used it myself when I bought my first house. Oh, awesome. I didn't have um, a ton ton of money to put down for a down payment, so this came in and you, I actually liked having it, um, you know, insured stuff, you make sure that you're not gonna walk into something that's just a money pit. 100%, (laughs) I love that, but, I have encountered this where I have very um, highly qualified buyers using the FHA product and that our offer doesn't get chosen because it's FHA. Sure. And I have a specific um, story in mind. I have a single mother. I've now been working with her, no short of a lie, for two years. Single mother, great job, qualified, but for whatever reason, she needs to go FHA. Um, that's the better low down payment, better interest rate, all these things. She finally, we had seen multiple properties. This was in the first year of looking and she found her dream home. She loved this house for her family. It was perfect. And we put in an offer. There were multiple offers and the agent called me and he said, you are the highest offer. So highest sale price for his sellers. Perfect. Lock yes, it down. Great. <laughs> and, but we're, I, this is what the agent said. I'm not familiar with FHA financing. Oh. So I've advised my clients that they should go with the conventional offer, even though it is lower sale price than you. I was like, why would you do that? I'm like, please, like, I sent him over the list of the FHA requirement, minimum standard sure. requirements. I'm like, this house has none of these things. It has no paling paint, no broken windows, no broken floors, like nothing. There's nothing that is going to come up. This is for sure not going to be an issue. And they still did that. So 
one major disadvantage to my buyer, but frankly, major disadvantage to his sellers. Of course. He had them take less money for no reason. And I would challenge agents to really understand the FHA product and what risks there really are involved. Yeah, ultimately it's you're serving your you're serving your client. You want to get the best whatever for that client if it's FHA, if it's conventional and like you said, once you look at the breakdown of what those actual guidelines are for the FHA loans, you're realizing that okay, most houses are going to fall in these specs. So if you can get a, a better, you know, price for your client then, you know, you really should be educated in that and and going with that for sure. Yeah, and in this market, like I have a property under contract right now, um, beautiful property in great condition, but the um, deck has some flaking paints. It really needs to be scraped and repainted. Um, and we had our highest offer was an FHA buyer, and they said, we are willing to come and scrape and paint before the appraiser comes and, and then it'll be a non-issue. And that's what they did. And we've appraised that value and we're good and we're moving through and it's like nothing. So, you know, there, there are fixes and it's rather than being scared, it should be about like, how can we make this work for both buyer and seller? Yeah, so now, it is great that she's, you know, came out and had this uh, conference there. Yeah, well, I like some of the things they're saying, too. Um, you know, they're looking to the, the whole purpose of the FHA program is to make home ownership available to underserved, pro, you know, communities. Um, so one thing they're doing is they're starting to factor in positive rental payment history or they're looking into policy changes, which I think is huge Absolutely. because a lot of these families or not even family single they their don't life have rental their life renters and they may not yeah. have a lot of credit history sure. other than that right um so being able to use that is huge and it really should be a big portion of that because it's your housing it's it's what you're doing if you're showing that you can live and afford rent for x amount of years that should be a pretty big part of that a hundred percent i agree um the other thing they're talking about is accessory dwelling units mm. and increasing um affordability by changing some zoning so that you can purchase a home and possibly have an accessory dwelling that you can rent out, which will offset the cost. Mm. And then using that um, rental income to increase your income limits or what you can qualify for. They also, earlier in this year, 2023, they reduced mortgage insurance premiums. I love that too. I love this. She says um, that the FHA had a significant financial cushion we didn't have to keep stacking up funds for a rainy day. So by reducing the pricing to better match our risk, we could reduce costs and make it easier for people to qualify or to pay their bills. I love that. I, do I don't think a lot of big, because um, they're not really a company, right. but you know, I don't think a lot of big organizations are willing to make those changes, sure. but that's super valuable, I think, and, and important. Um, the other thing they talked about is the FHA's 203k loan. Have mm -hmm. you ever used one of these? I have not. I have had clients use them. I've not used them myself, but what the 203k program is, is awesome is you're qualified and you can take additional funds to make necessary repairs. So now we go back to the FHA minimum standards. Right. Okay. So let's say the minimum standards, 
I know one of them is that your roof needs to have a minimum of two years of life left. So let's say you find this great house, but the roof is patootie um, and the sellers are like, we're not going to fix it. You can take out your loan for the cost of the home, the sale price, plus the cost of the roof. So then you can get into the home, put on a new roof, and then now you have this great house. I love that because a lot in the price range we're talking about, because there are price limits, mm -hmm. um, there are repairs that need to be made. And again, a lot of these first-time buyers, first-generation buyers, uh, they're underserved communities. They don't have a lot of cash to then go fix it. Nor does the seller want to kind of go Correct. with that exactly. back and forth. They'd rather take what they from the next person and go on. So that's just, that so is this great makes program. it yeah. more able for them to purchase. I love that. Um, I love it too. And and in general, remember, you know, the FHA, um, the fallout rate for those versus conventional yes. is basically the same yeah and that's another interesting thing because right? people think oh it's, it's a less qualified buyer similar to More the conversation risk. we had about mm -hmm. va buyers vas yeah, have even right. less of a fallout risk and they can do a hundred percent financing right. it doesn't mean that they're not reliable a lot of purchasers. Times they're better yes agreed um they also are increasing the price threshold for large multifamilies, right. which I love this too, um, because as prices increase, if that price limit stays below, I like how she's just talking and she does talk about this, um, being a risk taker and like not, she didn't take this job just to get reelected or reappointed down the road and kind of keep, she's really looking to advocate um, for these underserved communities and really getting, I just love getting that. straight to the point with it yeah, yeah really good it. stuff really good so stuff. i would implore um, buyers to look into their fha option and agents really get educated about these programs and what they do for your buyers and sellers and what the real concerns are because you could be making you know that's our obligation i think as and agents they'll be around they're going to be they're yeah. going to be huge tools huge tools that hopefully can get more and more people into homes Yes, agreed. Um, so anyway, a couple months ago, we talked about the housing, New Hampshire housing report. And um, just last month, just a week or so ago, the New Hampshire 2023 residential rental cost survey rental report cost. came up. Yep. Now you might be saying, what does rental have to do with home ownership? But it has a lot to do. We know they go hand in hand. They right? do, right? Because it if you think it's hard to buy a home right now with low inventory, guess what? Rentals are going up. <laughs> Rentals are currently across the statewide for two bedroom apartments. We are at a 0.6% vacancy. 0.6, not 1%, 0.6. A healthy vacancy rate is 5%. Yeah, we're at about, you know, half a half a apartment. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like there's not much out there. There's one for every two people, two families. One There's apartment one for, every for every two, two families, families, right? I think even less than that. I don't know why I can't, yeah. I can't do the math on sure. my head. But um, the, and that's two only. That's two bedroom. Right. right. If yeah. you want a three bedroom, that's higher. Right. And then the median um, gross rent, which gross includes utilities and stuff, for a two bedroom across the state is seventeen hundred and sixty four dollars. So it's like. 
Hello. Hello. Right. That, that was like my so, first like mortgage. Like said, though, they, they're, both, they're both continuing to go up. So um, the people that are waiting are now renting. They're paying more. And it's just a... Well, and the thing is, is that... And this is what I... I think you have a story about this. You, you have a client that's decided maybe to rent because there's a couple hundred dollar difference. Yeah, exactly. So <clears throat> I do have a client that's looking to buy. We've looked at so many houses and his budget is a few hundred dollars ideally his budget is a few hundred dollars less than what his mortgage budget would be so when we're looking at mortgages everything is with you know above and beyond asking it's kind of putting us out of that range so you know he's looking at renting well you know if you're a couple hundred dollars less one way when in the rental situation then you know is that that best long-term situation or in this case he says well we'll revisit it in a year well in a year, we can pretty much project that we're going to have a lot of the same issues. So, you know, the rate may fluctuate a tad, but still going to be shortages. And that means that that's all going to be people that aren't getting those homes are all going to rental. So in a year, you're going to be running into the same issue and your rent might get raised. So, um, and think of the equity that you built in, can build course. in a year. Sure. So let's <clears throat> not even talk about the, the most recent years where we've gone up 10 or more. Um, percent in equity each year. Let's right. just talk about an average year. An average year is like 3% equity build, okay? Or 3% increase in prices so that you can think of that as equity. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking, let's say at a 200, well, what, what would that price be? I don't know. Like 200-ish thousand dollar garden style condo, two bedroom, your bill would be around this amount. That same amount, like Keith was saying, maybe you're at two thousand dollars a month instead of seventeen or eighteen hundred. But the but the difference is that in a year, that house, if it goes up three percent, is now you can sell it for two thousand and six dollars. So now you've gotten no two thousand and six two hundred and six thousand dollars. So you've made six thousand dollars. And then the money that you've paid towards that mortgage, so let's say $1,000 of it goes to principal, that's, you're getting that $12,000 back, you know, getting all that back. If you're paying $1,800 a month in a year, there's, no, there's nothing left. Like you're starting over from scratch, you're leaving that, there's no equity build there. So I don't think that either of us are suggesting that you purchase a home if you can't afford the home. Right. If you're saying, okay, I'm gonna pay 200 extra dollars a month to own, and that means I can't grocery shop, I can't get gas, I can't get new sneakers, I can't. Okay, that's not what we're advocating. But what we're saying is if it's within the budget, if $200 you can like don't door dash three times that month, you know, which is what I do. I waste all my money on DoorDash. So I, I'm not judging, I'm saying, then sure. the better financial choice is to purchase. If you're planning on sitting, sitting tight and say, you know, there's other factors. But the point is finding affordable housing to rent is harder and harder and harder. So I think that what I'm seeing is sometimes buyers get discouraged and they say, well, it's been impossible. I can't find a house so I'm gonna rent. Well, good luck finding something to rent at 0.6% occupancy, vacancy rather, because there's nothing to rent either that's gonna be in a good. The other thing I wanna point out 
and I'm going off on a tangent, but oftentimes people don't want to purchase what they're willing to rent. Sure. Okay, totally get it. Yep. So Absolutely. you're willing to rent a garden style condo that's a two bedroom, so not, not condo, garden style apartment, two bedroom. You're willing to rent that for $1,800 a month, but you're not necessarily willing to buy it. Sure. Okay, you want a single family with da 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 and totally like three bedrooms sure. and one. I get it. But thank you. Again, you're still not going to build that equity and you can always turn that into a rental down the exactly. line or something. So it's all about, it's all about, and I think that's where you're going with it, but getting your foot in the door and start 100%. building that equity and making it work to get in might be the better option if you're juggling there rent by rent by. Remember, rental's 100% interest. Hundred, right? yes. You know, you're not gonna. You nailed it. That's exactly where I was going with it. Is it's like, at the end of a year, are you closer to getting into that single family home? And I would argue, if you're renting, you're going to be no closer to being able to purchase what you want. And what you really maybe might consider is buying something less than your ideal, so that in a couple of years we can sell it and get you into your ideal. Sure. Um, and I, I think it's important to explore those options. Yeah, and to know and to have a good realtor that's going to walk you through all those. A hundred percent. And and don't get me wrong. For some people, the right decision is to rent, mm -hmm. right? If you're here on a temporary basis, if you don't know if you want to live here, you're not sure you really want to commit to this girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> then yeah, maybe you want to rent. But um, at least go. At least know your options. Go through them. You know, don't get discouraged. Exactly. Um, and if you are discouraged, come talk to us and mm -hmm. we can walk you through your options. Sure. All right. Agents out there. Um, Chris Benjamin, I never say his name right, but I don't Benjamin. know. I don't know if you've watched him. He's great on Instagram. He's hysterical. Mm -hmm. um, he's climbed Mount Everest. He's a very cool guy. Oh, I didn't guy. know that. Yeah, he's oh, cool. super cool. Um, so I think he just had a baby too. Anyway, okay. he's great. Follow him on Instagram. I think it's, I don't know what it's I know he is, he is funny and he's got some great stuff. Yeah. So this article he's talking about, he wrote for Broke Agent Media on mm -hmm. August 28th. And it's um, the six marketing tools every real estate agent needs today. What did you think? Have you, are you familiar with any of these? Yeah, I actually, I use a couple of these. I love it. Um, Canva was the, one of the first ones that I did because it's super easy to use. You walk through it. You can do basically anything, mm -hmm. um, which I actually I still use yep. um, less, but it's still great. Um, it's free. So, yeah. you know, you can't really go wrong. Um, but no, but I um, that was the main one that I use. But I am going to use all these after reading, reading this, this awesome yeah. list for sure. Um, OK, well, let's go through yeah, them. Let's go through them. So what funny enough. Um, I, ha I'm familiar with all of these, but I actually have alternatives. So I want to yeah. share with you, um, not just what Chris says, but also what I use as an yeah. alternative. Um, but I will say Canva was number three and I a hundred percent use Canva. We, we utilize, I have the paid version, <laughs> but, um, we use it for social media posting, our postcards, um, uh, blog writing, uh, birthday cards all the things. Uh, it's basically like, you know, Chris calls it Photoshop for dummies. And I would say that yeah. that's true. Um, so that one I use for sure, for sure. If you're not 
I don't know if you've been under a rock. I think <laughs> most people have. Um, but the number one is, uh, Chris said, Sierra Interactive, which is a CRM with an IDX website. Um, and he starts out what every real estate agent needs is a reliable CRM. Yeah. And I, I think you've heard me say that before. A contact um, relationship management one software. One that you like. One that you like. The best CRM out there is the one you'll use. Exactly. So I've been through quite a few. Um, I've used Top Producer. I've used Contactually, which I loved. I've used Brian Buffini's um, Referral Maker. Uh, but what we've settled on is Follow Up Boss. I've been using this now for about three years. It's by far my favorite. Um, it does come with an IDX website should you want it. I personally get my IDX website through another company, um, but Follow Up Boss does have them all, and I love it. It tracks your communication. Follow Up Boss also does your text messages. Mm -hmm. um, you can do mass mailings. You can print labels. Uh, it's awesome. And then, of course, having a website that your clients can search on and that you can use for SEO, all of that's helpful. And if you're not really into that kind of stuff, getting it in an all-in-one yep. is is really great. So I would say that a CRM with a website is necessary for every agent and the best one is the one you'll use. Absolutely, You, um, I have used Follow Up Boss, now I use Isaac. Um, I have a separate website, but yes, you the best CRM is one that you will use. Yes. All right, you want to do number two? Yep, uh, CapCut, which is a video editing, a free video editing app that uses a great way to add uh, captions to your videos. I have not used this. Um, I used BombBomb for a while, but that's less um, video editing, more just videos. Um, and you can narrate, you can do all kinds of stuff on that. But that seems to be the one that they're... Um, referring to what do you use yeah so i really pay someone to do <laughs> so the, the thing is is that video editing is not my thing like i barely can do the green screen so i've kind of always outsourced this i have used uh, an app i think it's called click that is does captions mm -hmm. um i've used like imovie to like edit a little bit i've tried CapCut, but the truth is it's just not the best use of my time sure um, absolutely it, uh, recently, and tell us what you think, we've been using video, V-Y-D-E-O, oh, I don't right. know, um, dot AI to edit our blogs and pull out our reels. And that has been great. So, I mean, it, if someone else can do it the or... feedback's been crazy, so. <laughs> yeah. um, then we already talked about Canva. Um, Canva number three, that's great. We like that. For coffee and contracts. Yeah, have you heard about them? I heard about it, but I haven't been able. To, I haven't checked them out on Instagram. Yeah, so I love them. I I don't use coffee and contracts, but I have friends that have. Um, our broker actually does everything that coffee and contracts does right. for us. So we, our broker, Lair Realty Partner, shout out. Um, they send us monthly uh, these social media content content, and it's all with use, utilizing Canva. Yep. And then we can go in and edit it to ourselves. So it's very similar to Coffee and Contracts. It's giving us the content and then mm -hmm. it's editable. So if your company is not doing that, I think Compass has a really good program like okay. that as well. Um, but there's lots of. Uh, what I did used to use a lot was KCM actually, Keeping Current Matters, which is oh, mm -hmm. a little less fluffy than Coffee and Contracts. It's much more data driven, um, which may or may not be appropriate for you. But I would agree having 
someone to create that stuff for you and you only have to do a little tweaking is super helpful. Mm -hmm. And you use those posts. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All the time. That's yeah. huge. That, that saves me so much time and effort. Otherwise I'm building them from scratch on Canva and that's good too, but you know, not my talent. Time is and time is, is money. So, right. Um, number five is MailChimp. So I've used MailChimp for other organizations. It's basically email marketing. I use BombBomb. Mm -hmm. BombBomb is basically an email marketing platform, just the same, but it's focused on video. Um, and that's the one that I choose to use. My newsletters go out that way, my e-newsletters, and it gives you all, it, it, it connects to the CRM, it tells you when they open them, if they, your click rate, your open rate, and Chris talks about A-B testing. You can do that on BombBomb as well. Um, MailChimp, there's another one that a lot of people use. Mine all come from my Isaac. That's all in, oh, yeah, included perfect. in mine as well. So. Oh yeah, and he mentions that some CRMs will take care of yeah. it for you. Yeah. So that's all included in mine. Um, What's the last one? Number six, Hootsuite scheduling. So Hootsuite must be a social media platform here. It's an app, I'm assuming. Yes, and yeah. it's how you can schedule your social media posts. Oh, yeah. Um, and they were kind of like one of the first scheduling apps. Again, I use Agora Pulse. Mm. Agora Pulse. Um, and that is just because each different scheduling platform works well with certain uh, social media mm -hmm. platforms. And I wanted to be able to post to Google, my Google business page, mm -hmm. which is not called that anymore. But you know what I'm talking about. And Agora Pulse does that. And so that's kind of why I went with that one. But it's the same thing to be able to time block. So I mean, I do you, mine on Canva and they got a whole Oh, yes, Canva so, schedule. Canva yes. has a whole scheduling thing right there on it. So that's, that's yeah, that's awesome. great. Yep. So I love anything that can do more than one thing for me, okay. right? Like anything <laughs> you can schedule out yes. is fantastic. Or if you can use the same app for more than one thing, mm -hmm. it just saves Huge. you learning the multiple. The more your CRM can do, the more the, these apps can do for you all in one compassing. Yeah. So uh, let us know if you have alternatives to yeah, what I mentioned, absolutely. what Chris mentioned. Are these things that you use regularly? We are so grateful for all of you. And if you have any questions or comments or things you want to hear us talk about, make sure you let us know. And follow us and listen to us every week. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>